Alrighty, good evening and welcome to Lost in the Long Box. Uh, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Randall, and I'm joined with... Thomas. And I'm the Madman. Hello, I'm working the boards tonight. And, yes, Madman is doing a uh, dual role as producer tonight, so he's working the soundboard as well. Alright, so as you may have noticed, we weren't on Monday night. I hope everybody caught the Facebook post that I put out there that we were going to be going tonight. Because, you know, Christmas and family stuff, you know, gets in the way there. Yeah. Um, we were actually going to take the rest of the year off, but, you know, something rather wondrous happened last week. I am, of course, referring to the Aquaman movie, so I wanted to make sure that we got our thoughts and our reviews of the movie in fresh a week after it opened instead of coming back three weeks later and have it be old news for everybody. <laughs> right. Right. You guys are doing an old podcast. Where the hell you been type of deal. So before we get down into it, uh, I trust everybody had a good holiday. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas is always great. Uh, I so funny story is um I don't have any slippers at home and so I've been walking around with, with cold feet and, and both my wife and my sister-in-law a couple of years ago bought me slippers and they both gave out at the same time and I'm like what the hell right and and these were a couple of years ago so they both gave out quickly so I got a pair of slippers um for Christmas and it wasn't even <laughs> I just I just immediately cut the tags out put them on my feet and said okay let's go. <laughs> And they were, I don't know if you saw the SNL skit with Matt Damon and the Bear Claw slippers in the routine. I, no. I don't think I have, no. It's, it's on uh, YouTube. I saw it just the other day. That's what they are. They're basically the Bear Claw slippers. So. Nice. <laughs> I actually put that on my Facebook. It says, me and Matt Damon both rocking the Bear Claw slippers. Nice. Fuzzy Bear Claw slippers. That's right. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. The ones I want, and for you listeners out there, if you know where I can still get these, please email me to lostinalongbox at gmail.com. I had these years ago. They're called Toronto's. They are dinosaur feet with a sound box in them. And every time you step, they go. <laughs> and then when you actually stomp it really hard, it roars. <laughs> nice. That That's pretty awesome. Reminds me of that, uh, that joke, why can't dinosaurs clap? Because they have T-Rex arms. No, because they're dead. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, then. All right, so that's enough of Randall's slippers and what my Toronto toes back. What do we got that's noteworthy that happened over the last week? Thomas, you and I were both talking about Aquaman and how good it did this weekend. You had the updated figure, so you go ahead. Right. Uh, this is from the MovieWeb's website, uh, but it's originally reported from Forbes. So far, Aquaman has made $106 million domestically and $550 million globally. It looks like it's going to pass the $900 million and possibly the, even the $1 billion mark to become DC's highest-grossing superhero movie. Well, you know, it's already um, the highest Wonder Brothers movie for China. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it did very well over there. Um, was it particularly well in China, where it's already bought in more than two hundred and thirty million? It was. I, it was at almost three hundred million before it even opened here. Yeah, just on international box office. Yeah, it looks like um, it's showing here that Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice was is their number one movie with eight hundred eight hundred seventy three point six million worldwide. Oh, this will pass that easily. And it said the Aquaman, currently at $657.9 million, should surpass that any day now. Well, it depends on how it does this coming weekend. Because remember, the second weekend is always, it always falls off. It always falls off. Well, most movies always fall off. It's rare that they either maintain or earn more. Mm -hmm. But depending on how much it falls off will be very telling of how much longer it's just going to box office. If it goes down more than 50%, it'll be gone by the, end of, by the middle of January. Right. So... so yeah, and it also depends, I guess, too, on how much what else is coming out this weekend and everything like that. I don't think anything is. I think the big ones that they were pushing for Christmas was Aquaman, Bumblebee, and Mary Poppins Returns, 
which I'm hearing a lot of people are just livid over Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, I, I had no desire to see that, so I haven't really looked into that. Bumblebee, on the other hand, though, is one I want to see. Yeah, you can keep your Transformers. Thank you. Yeah, right. that, that looks like it's going to be great because that's the Bumblebee that I want, the VW Bug. Right. And it's got the sound wave that I want, the tape deck. So <laughs> so also in the news this week, and it, it may have already come out today or maybe tomorrow because uh, this news article I read was on Monday. So we've already seen the teaser trailer for Avengers Endgame. Supposedly, we are also going to get some still images this week in Empire Magazine. Uh, again, that may have already hit. So if any of you out there have seen that magazine, go ahead, drop a line to the email address or on our Facebook. Let us know what's out there. I haven't seen a newsstand, so I don't know if it's on stands or not. But still images from Avengers Endgame is supposed to be dropping this week in Empire, which I can tell you a lot of people... Trailers are fine, but they like to see the stills mm-hmm. so they can see the detail. Ironically, as cosplayers, because cosplayers will do one of two things. They'll either watch the trailer 50 million times <laughs> and right. pause it at each crucial scene, or they'll get the magazine with the stills to take a look at the details. Plus, a lot of people who want to try and catch everything they can in, in the trailer and see stuff in the background, because a lot of times the Easter egg will be hidden in the trailer right in front of you, too. Yeah. So there'll be people doing that. I finally saw the Avengers Endgame trailer at uh, at Aquaman. Okay, so, really? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't normally if if it's a movie I know I'm going to see, I don't really seek out the trailers too much because I don't, you know, why? I'm right. gonna, I'm going to see it opening night anyway, so you know, no point in really going to see it. But it was there, and you know, I, I agree with what you said. It didn't really show much of anything, although the 3D on the trailer was pretty nice. Oh, so you, so you saw Aquaman in 3D? Then. We saw it in okay. 3D, IMAX 3D, as a matter of fact. I, I saw it in just the. Uh regular viewing. However, since you brought up that trailer, and I, I need to digress for just a bit here, did you guys get the trailer for Pokemon in your theater? I don't think so. I don't oh, remember oh, Pokemon. Do, oh. What about you, Batman? Do you remember Pokemon? No, I don't remember one. Yeah. So I saw That would have stuck out if you guys. I saw yeah. it at Regal across from where you guys were at. Not Regal, Paragon Theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got a trailer for some Pokemon movie, which I can't even remember. And the entire time, I kept going, why? Why? Now here's the here's the killer. Guess who's guess who is voicing Pikachu? Who? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> and all I thought was, so you went from Deadpool to this. Yeah, I I have to go out here and admit that I did see Pokemon the first movie in the theater. But that was animated. That was animated. This yes. is not. This is live action. Oh wow! Really? Yes. <laughs> see now now you see my. That seems a little scary to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I gotta have to go look for that trailer. See if I can creep myself out. Put, put on a YouTube and then throw it up on the Lost and Lawbox page. But yeah, I saw the trailer and all I could hear was Ryan Reynolds. And I'm thinking, I swear to God, if he doesn't put on a Deadpool mask in a movie somewhere, there's gonna be a lot of pissed off people. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I put that without seeing the trailer or anything. I think I put that as number one on the list of things we don't need is a live action Pokemon right. movie. Right. And again, like I right. said, we the whole time that. I sat there just shaking my head, going, "Why? Yeah, but why? <laughs> Are they gonna deal with the ethics of them?" I I don't know. I, I could wouldn't people in the real world, if they really existed, wouldn't people want to eat them? Well, uh, well, here's the thing. would be going nuts over yeah. the whole Pokemon thing in the it's real funny world. You said that because in the trailer, it, it deals with this guy who I guess collected Pokemon's or played a game as a kid, and and he sees Pikachu. You're gonna might have to hold it, and now I'm gonna have to hold my microphone the rest of the night. But he sees Pikachu, and he's talking to it. And uh, he's saying something like, you know, kid, I know you can't understand me, but the kid's talking to him, and Pikachu's like, wait, you can understand me? And then he's like, well, what can I understand you? But then everybody does see it, 
and he's pointing to people and say, hey, can you understand him? And Pikachu's just going, beep, 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 beep. And then he's like, they can't understand me, kid. I'm thinking, oh, this thing has got fail already written all over it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, this... <laughs> I, I don't think I need to see that. I, I don't need to see the trailer. I don't think I need to see that movie. I think I'll pass. Yeah. You, you want to switch mics? Uh, no, I'll just hold it until it until it gets to be annoying. Which I, will, could, I could try to fix it. Which will be in about talking. be about five minutes here, probably. Yeah. But uh, so you know the whole phrase when they see a movie, you know that'll be two hours of my life I'll never get back. Yeah. That's what I thought about Pikachu movie, the Pokemon movie. I was like, there, there's a minute and a half I'm never getting back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Well, it's only been an hour. I can see Mad Men wanted to say it, so I put it out there for him. It wasn't in my head, buddy. That was in your head. <laughs> Guilty conscience there, Randy. All yeah. right. So, yes, we did go see Aquaman over the weekend. So, but before we get to our review of Aquaman, let's get to some history of Aquaman. Which, if you guys out there haven't actually looked into the, the in-depth history of Aquaman, see what I did there? In-depth, get it? There you go. Uh, it's actually, he's actually really a fascinating character. The, the Golden Age version appeared in, like, New Fun, or More Fun Comics number 73 by Paul Norris and Mort Weisinger. Which, ironically, Mort Weisinger, I think, worked on Superman for a long time in the 50s. Maybe yeah. 40s and 50s. So, that surprised me. But he had... This really weird Golden Age origin, because let's be honest, the origin of every hero in the Golden Age is just one of those WTF moments. Right. Because this one is, his father was like a famous undersea explorer, just say Jacques Cousteau, obviously. Um, his mother died in childbirth, but then his father finds basically this ancient underwater city, which is pretty much ascending to Atlantis. And then he trains his son in, in the ways of the underwater world to make him you know swift and strong. And I'm thinking, okay, so... Your father, who's an underwater explorer, just naturally knew about Merman. Is, is this what we're supposed to believe? Yeah. Well, it's the golden age, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1941, Randy. It's 1941. Right. And, and again, the, all, most of the golden age origins are all like, huh? my, my favorite one, stepping away for just one moment, is the origin of the Jay Garrick Flash. Oh, yeah? You remember what that is? I don't, no. He inhaled the fumes of hard water. Wow. That's it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So basically, steam from hard water right, yes. made him the flash. Gave him the flash. <laughs> well, we're going to have to recreate that experiment because I want super speed. Well, I can tell you what. There was already a chemical spill out here in 95 a couple summers ago, and I went and rolled around in it. That didn't work. That so didn't I work. Yeah, from so that's hard why water. you have the third eye? Yeah, but. I've microwaved like 50 spiders <laughs> trying to get them to bite me. I, I, I can tell you that the hard water fumes is probably not, not it. Not going to happen, huh? <laughs> Because all the times I've boiled, because you know, I have well water. I don't have sitting. All the times I've boiled water from tea, if that was it, I'd be zooming around here now. <laughs> all right, so, and then we had the Silver Age origin of Aquaman. Thomas, you got the history on that one. I know you've been Wikipedia in the guy because I did the same thing. That's when we get to famous um, origin that we actually got in the movie. Yeah, he's uh, Silver Age made his first appearance at Adventure Comics 260 in 1959. Um, he's the son of Tom Curry, the lighthouse keeper, and Atlanta, the water-breathing outcast from the lost city of Atlantis. And, you know, of course, he discovers the youth that he, that he has the various superhuman powers, you know, surviving underwater, communication with sea life, you know, swimming, super strength, the, all the things like you said we saw in the movie. Um, I want to fact-check you. I think the Silver Age version was Adventure Comics 250. Uh, it says, yep, no, actually it says here, first appearance is Adventure Comics 260. That's what I'm reading here. On the Wikipedia? Uh, it's on Wikipedia, so I guess take that with a grain of salt. Well, if you look up the actual Adventure Comics 250, the cover blurb says how Aquaman got his powers. Oh, let's take a look at that here, Adventure 250. Be because I, 
I thought that was late in the run for the Silver Age Aquaman, but that's because I I thought uh, Adventure Comics had a, a lower print run than it did. When I was reading it, it was into the 400s. I'm thinking, oh, wow, it actually did go for a while. Let's take a look here. But yeah. Now, this this showing here, Adventure Comics 250. It's a cover blurb in the bottom. It should say how Aquaman got his powers. Uh, hold on here. We're focusing. We are focusing. So anyway, after the... Uh, Adventure Comics issue 250 slash 260. We're looking it up. His first series premiered in 1962. It ran 63 issues. So it's not like he was a lightweight character. Um, but I'll tell you a piece of interesting history that a lot of people don't know. He is one of the few characters that continued publication throughout the 50s when superhero comics had gone by the wayside and weren't as popular anymore. Why are you giving, why are you giving me that look? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm waiting for this, this uh, picture to call up here for me. Thomas looked up from his laptop like, you're shitting me. So, but yeah, in his 1963 series, that's when we started getting all the classic heroes and characters that popped up in the movies, like Black Manta shows up in there, yep. and um, Vulko shows up in there. I don't believe um, Ocean Master shows up there. I think he comes along actually in the earlier run, because Ocean Master is get revealed to be his brother Orm, but I do believe it is in that first 63 run where they give the whole history that after Atlanta died... His father married another woman and had a, a second son by her. So I have Adventure Comics 250 up here from July 1958, and it does not mention Aquaman on the cover. Did you say 250 or 260? 250. That The one Brandy said was 250. The one that I said was 260. Well, I stand corrected, but I would swear that I read 250 was his first appearance. You know what? It was late when I was doing all that, so I might have been <laughs> tired. It, you could have been. I might have been fooded out from Christmas and all the family and... It happens. It happens, man. It happens. It shows here that Aquaman, I'm, I'm sorry, Ocean Master's first appearance was Aquaman number 29, September 1966. And that 29? Number 29 in, in the So September the first series must have been bi-monthly then. Because um, I think his first series premiered in 63. Let's take a look here. See what we can find. But yeah, so that, anyway, like I was saying, his first Silver Age series, that's where we start getting all the famous characters that we know now in the Aquaman mythos, including Aqualad. And I think Dolphin shows up in that first one. Although, I'll tell you what, for Aquaman series, I want Dolphin. You know who Dolphin is, right? The the girl with the white hair that swims around like in the cut-off jeans. And okay, the, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I would love to see Dolphin in the follow-up. I don't know how you... You would have to make her highborn because she's also been a land dweller. Right. So, which... Oops, spoiler. By the way, listeners, if you haven't seen Aquaman, we are going to spoil the hell out of it. So, just... Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Anyway, while we're discussing that, so we're going to pause for a moment at 1963, and Madman's going to tell you who's keeping the lights on here in the studio for us. Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs. Uh, Danny'sPizzaAndSubs.com. Uh, their hours are Monday through Thursday, 11 to 9 p.m., and from Friday to Saturday on 11 to 10 p.m., and Sundays from 12 to 8 p.m. Uh, like I said, Danny's Pizza and Subs.com. They're in the Lees Hill area, in the Lees Hill Center, uh, at 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. You can give them, the, give them a call, 898-5008. And uh, it's always buy one, get one free of equal or lesser value. And uh, we had some pizza last week, didn't we? Oh, that was so good. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. That was my gift to you yes, guys. I, I don't think I got on air, but thank you, Danny's Pizzas and Subs. That was fantastic. 
Yeah, so check them out. Danny'sPizzaAndSubs.com, where you can give them a call. Give them a call at 898-5008. They're open for a couple more hours. We're, we're going to have to do that more often, which, by the way, listeners, in, in case it wasn't clear, unless you are in the Fredericksburg, Virginia area, you are not going to get pizza from Danny's Pizzas and Subs. So unless don't you, be calling from Kansas and expect his ass to be there in 20 minutes. It's not nope. going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> right. Even if you're in this town, you don't expect it in 20 minutes, all right? Right. <laughs> unless you're literally, you know, down the street from yeah. them. Wow, you know what? Chicken butt. No, that's that's what. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah, see, it's it's what? Chicken butt. Okay, yes, it is Adventure Comics 260. I do not know what I was looking at, but... So chalk one up for me. Chalk one yeah. up to you. But if you go to Adventure Comics 260, that does have a cover blurb that says, also in this issue, how Aquaman got his powers. All right, so... So that's the one you were looking at. That is the one I was looking at. And for some reason in my note, I put 260. And see, our listeners out there thought we just knew all this stuff at the top of our head. They don't realize we're actually using notes and whatnot. So that's right. I done ruined the illusion. That's right. You were not just a walking, talking encyclopedia of all things comics. I used to be. I, I tell people I've forgotten more about comics than they know. So. Oh, I used to read the Overstreet Guide cover to cover. I used to be able to tell you all kinds of stuff that I can't tell you. Wow. Now. Yes. Now I get mad. I'm, that makes me even more mad that people called me a nerd. <laughs> I'm oh. not even in the same class with you guys. I, I was I was at the height I, of nerddom in I'm school. Not, I'm not I am not kidding, guy. At my height, I was probably reading forty titles a month from both oh, Marvel, easily. Marvel and DC. Easily, damn rich kids. And if you mention a character, I could tell you their first issue and where they first appeared and the origin and where they came up again later and and who was originally the character. And there, there's so much I have forgotten. Which actually, that's kind of the good thing about this podcast is just making revisit some of those characters. Which, for instance, I didn't know there was such in-depth history here. Hey, I did it again. Da 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 da. Such great history here on Aquaman. Because, um, a matter of fact, after his Silver Rage book disappeared, um, he's in Justice League. He's a founding member of Justice League. But you remember that really bad era when they got the Detroit team? Oh yes. Aquaman's the one who puts All that together. Right. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Justice League Detroit featuring yeah. Aquaman. Yep. Well, it was funny because he's the one that recruits Gypsy and Vibe and Vixen and all of them. But the irony of it is he only lasts to issue 243, and then he leaves. Wow. So, yes, that that whole horrible era of just, just like the, everybody hates, he's attributed for, for you know, thanks, thanks, Arthur. Well, it's just like, you know, we need someone to go handle Detroit. Let's send Aquaman. Right, right. Makes perfect well, sense. You know, all well, the water in Detroit and yeah. all the oceans and well, seas see, there. Here, well, here's, now here's where it comes into play. And this is very interesting. In fact, your Wikipedia will say that. This is shortly after him and Mara have split. And there's, I can't remember, it's actually the invasion storyline with the Dominators. And so Superman, Batman, all the heavy hitters have left, and Aquaman basically goes to the U.N. saying that we need a team of superheroes who can do it full-time, and it's not like a part-time job type of thing, because he's recommitted himself to being Aquaman because him and Mara split, and he's kicked out of Atlantis. So there's actually a story reason behind it, too, which I want to say that comes directly out of his 1986 miniseries. And I don't know, the. I'm only mentioning this one because of the the costume change he wears that that deep uh, blue costume that's like blending into the water which looks pretty terrible that shows up in that 1986 four issue miniseries but i yeah. believe that also stems into the justice league because he gets more of a mystical origin in that as well mm-hmm. because it turns ocean master um into a sorcerer instead right. of just being his brother 
Right. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It says that here. This series also added mystical elements to Aquaman's mythology, and Ocean Master is a sorcerer. Right. I don't know if I'd like that. But. And that's see, that's the only Ocean Master I ever remembered was the one with the with the magical powers, and who was more they they kind of tied him more loosely to Orion, Lord of Atlantis. Because I don't know if you remember that really short-lived series. Uh, Orion was a sorcerer. Right. Yeah. It says the. It says when it gets a little further, the retelling of the modern age recounts Aquaman's born Orin to Queen Atlanta and the mysterious wizard Atlan, and in, in the Atlantean city of Poseidon's. Right. So yeah. So Thomas, what else you have there? I know that there's a couple other miniseries. I know that Peter David does one. You go ahead and delve into a little bit of history. I'm actually going to look up something really quick here for our listeners. That I apologize. I thought about this before tonight's show. And I wanted to mention it, but I forgot to actually get the issues in mind, so I need to pull those up really quickly. All right, it looks like he, uh, the Peter David that you're talking about, that <sighs> run started in 1994. Well, back up. There's two miniseries by Peter David before that series. Yeah, it looks like we're talking about Time and Tide miniseries is one of them here. Yep. Um, let's see what we can find here, Retelling Origins. Publication of the Atlantis Chronicles went from March to September of 1990, which tells the story of Atlantis. From ancient times to Aquaman's birth, introduces several Atlantean characters, especially as you know, Orin, who is Aquaman's namesake and Aquaman's father. Right. Um, this is, looks like there was another ongoing series that lasted about 13 issues from Sean McLaughlin and Ken Hooper. Right. Which ran from 91, December 91 to December 92. And so, what I was going to tell people if you are interested in Aquaman, one of the best series to get is the one by Peter David. That that um, has a great storyline. If you've ever seen the Justice League cartoons that aired on Cartoon Network uh, a few years ago, where he's got the the long blonde hair and the goatee, that version premieres in the Peter David run, and it's also the one where I believe in the first story arc, the first four issues, he gets into a battle with his old nemesis Black Manta, who takes his hand and shoves into a pool of piranhas, and then we get the famous spear on the hand look, which was actually a very good run, and that's the Aquaman you get in the Justice League cartoons. You, you get the whole, i got a spear in my hand, I've come to rage war on the surface world. I remember seeing, I never read the Peter David run. I, to be honest with you, I've never read a lot of Aquaman, period. But I do remember seeing it originally in, in the comic stores with him with the, the spear for his hand, and I was like, I right. always thought to myself, oh my god, what are they doing here? Because so, you always thought Aquaman was kind of a kind of a joke character. Well, and I was like, yeah, they're just trying to make him cool. And again, and I was reading that series because I figured, okay, so first issue is Peter David. I'll give it a shot, see what happens. Right. And the last panel where Black Hannah has got his hand in the pit of piranhas, and you see it boiling and it's red. That was a holy crap moment because I remember just looking at it and going, <gasps> I'm like, wow, I can't believe they actually did that because. You just didn't do things, because I think that even predates Death of Superman. You just didn't maim and kill your characters like that back then. Right, yeah, it looks like this would have been early 2000s from here. No, wait, late 90s, early 2000s. So, yeah, I believe this was would have been... This is replaced by yeah, Eric Larson with issue 50. Which also, too, for you guys out there who do know your comics and your, and your writers, that series, here's, here's why it was so great. Number one, Peter David writes it. And I believe he's on it till issue 46. And then it's briefly taken over by a, a Dan Abnett. Is that right? I think is who After takes it over. After a brief spent by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, David was replaced by writer Eric Larson. And then issue Eric 50. Larson of Savage Dragon fame, which, by the way, is still the only creator-owned book at Image that was started with the company and is still going. All the others, like um, 
Yeah, because Spawn's no longer Spawn's written no, by uh, McFarlane. Spawn's no longer written by McFarlane. The um, Lifefield's not Hobbs, doing Youngblood. Life, Youngblood, all those are gone. Eric Larson was the only one who defected from Marvel and is still going on the book he started. Yeah, and he's in the you know the high 200s now, isn't he? Exactly, yes. So so that Eric Larson took a stint. And then for like last three or four issues, Dan Jurgens of Superman fame, who was one of the main orchestrators behind the Death of Superman story, wrote right. it. So you've got three powerful writers, maybe even four, with Dan Abnett on that series. So that is a great one to get. And they are in trade type, trade paperback. I looked them up. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I um, you know, I didn't read this, but after reading up on his history and everything like that, I think I do want to pick up some of these trades. It looks like it could, this could be in very good stories here. You want to sw- switch microphones, Randy, so I can take a look at that one? Um. Sure. Am I going to use this one over here? Yeah, the one right there. That, this one? That's the one. I'm going to make a brother reach across the table. Okay, hang on. If you could, yeah, maybe you can just scoot over a little I, bit. I got it. I got it. All right, like, yeah, like a grown-up. Yep, that works. But that's actually really good because that now um, one, wants me to pull up something else here. So that was a great series. And then we get into the whole New 52 world. Because I believe shortly after that Peter David run, he disappears for a while. Then there's the whole crisis on the Earth issue um, or storyline, which I got to be honest, I didn't read much of the Aquaman series after the Peter David run. Yeah. The, the character gets another one of those phases into obscurity thing after that series. And then after the whole Flashpoint paradox in the New 52, they start Aquaman up again. And... It's really good because they go right back to his origin. In fact, I believe the starting storyline is at Amnesty Bay in Maine and showing him in the lighthouse where he's living as Arthur Curry. Mm-hmm. But all the townspeople looking like, aren't you the Aquaman? And he's like, no. <laughs> no. So. I just breathe underwater. Don't right, mind that, me. So that might actually be an easier run to get if you're interested in Aquaman is picking up the New 52 stuff. Even the Rebirth series has been really good, which I'm going to touch back on Rebirth here after we do the movie. Mm-hmm. Um because, well, it's a couple of comics that I wanted to mention after we, uh, like I said, we get there. So that's it for what we know of our history of Aquaman. There's plenty more that you can find out there if you just do what did what we did, go to Wikipedia, start reading it. And two things will hurt. Uh, will happen is a your brain will hurt, and then b you went, wow, this this character's actually got a pretty rich history. You want to switch back to four? Okay, we're good over here. Yeah, we're good. All right, sweet, awesome. Just don't pull down on it too much. That's what she yeah, said. Yeah, just don't break it. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the movie. All right, and again, spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about the movie, and we're not going to take out plot, uh, plot storyline or anything. Spoiler alert. So let's just let's just go ahead, and uh, I guess we'll go down the line. And so the movie does open with the exact same origin story that they saw originally in Adventure Comics 260, and in the New 52 one is we see Amnesty Bay, Maine, like in what 1989, I think it actually yeah, is. Yeah, I the think year? so. And Aquaman's father, Tom Curry, is sitting out there at the lighthouse because there's a storm blowing through and he wants to make sure that the light is working because, you know, that's, that's what light keepers do. And he sees a woman washed upon a shore, which is Atlanta, and she basically moves in. They fall in love, blah, 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 have a baby. <laughs> which would be Arthur. Correct. Correct. And they said he was named, in, in the movie, that he was named for the hurricane that was coming through. Right, because in the hurricane, it was named Hurricane Arthur, and... So she yeah. let's name him Arthur, and she's like, "You mean after the hurricane?" And which one says, "Well, more like a king, like as in you know, King yeah. Arthur." Yeah. Yeah. So I tell you, let's go ahead and just get general views of the movie. Uh, to me, and and I noticed this when I was watching it, it felt very Tolkien-esque. In that, think about it. 
what we basically got was a high fantasy drama underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Absolutely. you had you had several kingdoms, you had them all trying to unite to to avoid you know war, and you had the one true king who had been out of it, being told you have to come back. You know your maniac half brothers trying to bring the world to the brink of war, and he's like, I don't care. You know, I'm a surface dweller, and he's being told doesn't matter if you're a surface dweller, he's going to obliterate everything, both underwater and the surface. So for for me, it had a very Return of the King feel about it. Yeah, kind of. It even a little bit of Game of Thronesy. Right. Yes, it did. Yeah. You know, one of the things I thought about it, too, is to be in, in, in places, maybe not necessarily through the whole movie, but definitely in places, it kind of felt like you were playing a video game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you'd have some you'd have sometimes when he was fighting and then, you know, he's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting. It's like, uh oh, boss fight. Uh, yep. Oh, I hit a combo. Yep. Hit a combo. Now there's a boss fight. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I was just like there, there was several times when I saw him fight something. I was like, oh, that's a boss fight. Yep. Oh, that's right. a boss fight. <laughs> Well, the thing that I also liked about this movie, and, and those of you that have seen the DC movies in the past and have been critical of how dark they are, mm-hmm. this is a very bright it's, movie. It's more, much brighter, yeah. In fact, which really stunned me because 80% of the movie takes place underwater, Yeah. but even that is well lit. The, the city, it's almost like they knew, okay, we need to make everything nice and bright and happy, and you get that with the city that's in the depths of the ocean. It's, but, it's, you can see everything nice and clearly. It's bright. Yeah, but I, to be reasonable, though, a culture like that wouldn't build things with so so much light, you know? No, they wouldn't. They yeah. would. Their eyes would be accustomed to the darkness, and mm-hmm. that's what they would do. Exactly. Right. I mean, and even in the beginning of the movie, you know, when he's approaching the bar by the, the biker gang, and they're like, can we get a selfie with you? <laughs> I love that moment. That was funny. <laughs> and he's kind of in the beginning like, oh. And then as the more beer flows, he right. gets happier and happier. Well, yeah, yeah. That well, was a cool well, little well, montage. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious after they take the first selfie. He's like, hey, let's buy you a round of drinks. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> then, you know, they got looser and looser. Right. right. They're best buds forever. I also loved, and I'm, I'm sorry for all the, the Marvel fans out there that I'm going to have to say this. I also love the fact that we didn't need to have the powers explained. Go back to every Marvel Phase 1 movie. We see where Iron Man gets his powers. We see where Hulk gets his powers. We saw where Captain America got him. In, in this movie, we see that Arthur can talk to fish. We can see that he breathes on the water. We can see that Mera has the ability to make hard water constructs. But they don't have to explain it to us. It's just accepted. It's there. Yeah. No one's asking, how can you do that? Or, or why is that possible? It's just we know that because of who they are, they can do it. And they just they show it to you and they move on. There's no need to explain why they can do it. Which to me, that was really refreshing. I didn't have to deal with 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes of seeing the origin being played out. Well, I've also heard criticisms that uh, they're rushing his training and so forth with quick little uh, montages with, you know, Willem Dafoe and stuff like that. Right. And um, that's that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me. I mean, you don't have to go into the... Yeah, I mean, there's some things you just, you know, you take for granted that, look, it, it's happened over the course of many years. You right. don't need to get specific and everything. Yeah. You can just and, get the highlights. Yeah. And I personally felt they didn't spend too much time on that. I don't think they... I, I won't say they, they didn't spend to. enough, but I thought it was well established that, okay... Bolko shows up as a, when he's a young boy and starts training him because he knew that probably told by Atlanta, someday you need to bring my son back here to reclaim his throne. Right. So I thought that was just the right mix of he's been trained his entire life for this because they knew that you're going to be pivotal someday and we need to make sure you're ready. One thing I was happy about with, with, uh, with him too, Volko, 
as I was happy that he didn't betray Aquaman because right. I just had this feeling yeah, throughout most I think it was of the just, movie. I think it was just because he was Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and, and I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's the green goblin. He's got to turn. You can't trust that guy. You can't trust that guy. You know, any, any, ten, any other movie you see Willem Dafoe you, in, you're like, I can't trust you. Right, you, kept you can't trust that guy. You kept expecting to see Arthur Curry sitting down in a brick and him tapping on his shoulder. Let me tell you the difference between you and I. <laughs> right. I, I just, for whatever reason, I just had this feeling the whole movie he's got to betray Arthur he's got to betray him he's got to betray him and then he didn't so I'm glad that didn't happen another thing that I really loved about this movie is everybody always talks about his whole oh he talks to fish he 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 snicker snicker what right. a lame power and they they did a scene that was excellent about well they, that. they established very early on that yes he can talk to fish but they do it in such a way that all the fish are like lined up against the cage looking at the bullies and, yeah. you, can, and you can almost hear the shark saying leave him the hell alone yeah but what I loved about it is we didn't get that over and over. We saw it once, and then it was gone. Yeah. They, they showed it three other times when he needed it. Yeah. Right. And, and it wasn't overplayed. It wasn't like, let me call my fish army. It was like, okay, we're got to get blown away because, you know, Orm is chasing us. He goes to the whale, talks to Wayne. Well, hey, open your mouth, let me hide. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and then the whole thing when he goes down, and this was beautifully played. When he goes to get... Um, Atlan's trident and the Kraken, I'm just going to call it the Kraken that's guarding it down in the trench, says to him, you know, no mortal can take this. And he talks to it. And then even the right. beast is like, how can you talk to me? No mortal has ever spoke to me before right. because he's using his birthright. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I love the fact that they didn't overplay the whole he talks to fish thing. It's, they mentioned it so we knew he did it. And then it was dropped until the moment he needed oh, it. Kind of a very yeah. important mo moment, though. Right. Two right. very important moments. Yeah, because that, that, that Kraken was... Yeah, it, badass. it was going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, it was going to kill him. <laughs> yes. It was just ranting, because, thinking that nobody ever listens to him. Right. You know? Well, and it's the same thing. It's it's just like uh, when the, the natives had the spears at you, and they're boiling you hot water, and you can't understand what they're saying, and all of a sudden you answer them, they're like, well, wait a minute, I can't eat this guy, he's talking to me. <laughs> it's the same type of thing. The Kraken is just going on and on, thinking you're not going to yeah. understand anything I'm saying anyway, and then it talks to him, and then all of a sudden yeah. the game has changed. Uh -huh. Right. Now now all of a sudden he's the he's the main guy. Well, I think it would have been funnier if the Kraken all of a sudden was like, oh my God, you want <laughs> Thank God, I'm so bored. Well, let's hang out and talk for a little while. Well, I'm glad that they didn't have the Kraken just suddenly stop and go, your father spoke of one who yeah. would be able to communicate with me, and then fight was over. Yeah. The Kraken didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if you can talk to me. You're still not taking this, the Trident. Right. <laughs> right. But before I kill you, let's talk about, have you, have you watched Game of Thrones? Right. <laughs> Tell me about the movies. What's going on in the theaters? Well, Aquaman's going to be released soon. It's like, ooh, that sounds good. Oh, Awesome. I, I also did – a lot of people said that there was some cheesiness in it, but I agree with what our friend Wayne said. It was just enough to work where it did. Yeah. Yeah. Not to get any weight on the cheese or gas, right. get gassy. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I did love when she pulled the sweat off his head, and he's like, could have just peed on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. he had a point. If all it took was water. It was a good scene, <laughs> right. but I saw that in the trailer and kind of right. took the – window sales for yeah me. that's one of the things too one of my one of the scenes i really liked in, and i wish they hadn't put it in the right, trailer yeah. is when is when he said we've got a bogey on our six and, and mary yeah. goes what does that even mean well see i didn't see that in the trailer so yeah. for me that was great when she's like what does that mean bad guys behind us then just say that bad guys behind us yeah unfortunately <laughs> i saw that in the trailer and i really wish i had not seen that in the trailer and i'd seen that in the in the movie because well, that was great that's the, that's the double-edged sword of going to see a trailer right. yeah well that's part of the reason why i was saying earlier I, if it's a movie i know i'm going to see 
I don't bother watching the trailer. And honestly, I have gotten to the point where I won't watch trailers anymore because they give away half the movie. But because I cut my teeth comic book-wise on DC, I, I watched Aquaman trailers because I really needed this movie to work. <laughs> and it did. It did. So, what? oh, and another thing I just absolutely loved was when we finally got to see Ocean Master in his armor at the oh, end. Oh, they're so yeah. gorgeous. Oh, was that beautiful armor? Oh, I want one. Yeah, I was like, oh, they got it right. And did you notice that the face was reactive? So, like, when he knitted his brow, the mask yeah. moved as well. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Yeah, that so was fantastic. Cool. I was very happy with that. They got it right. And, you know, another thing is, too, I'd, I'd seen drawings of it and everything like that, but when he finally got his armor... Oh yes, yeah. yeah. and it's like the costume's accurate. But it's, it seemed like he was locked in place after he put it on. It's right. like he was just posing. He, after he that. moved a little stiffly. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and that was the thing. A lot of people said, "Well, how are you going to make that crappy orange and green outfit look, you know, good?" And they did. And it looked really awesome when he stepped out to it. Yes, they did. Yeah. So what, all right, guys? What else you got? Because I'm doing all the talking over here because I, I'm ready to go see it again. But I have plans for this weekend that won't involve me seeing Aquaman. Damn it. Yeah, I probably won't see it a second time in the theater. Um, you know, just because yeah, money, money. money. <laughs> but you know, I will see it again. Like when it comes to streaming and everything, um, you know, CGI was awesome. I thought that everything was done real well. One of my, I, I like the the scene when he was fighting Ocean Master for the first time. Um, you know, in the in the trial to become king, and they put like the tail of the tape up there that oh, you would right. see at a boxing match. Yes, that was great. So. Listeners, while we're at it, one of our other loyal listeners, Tom uh, M., just walked in. Tom, if you want to pull up a mic and, and weigh in, feel free, buddy. Sure. Yeah, pull up a... Is this mic hot? That mic is hot. Yep. Talk into it. Hello, sir. So we have a little special guest here. This is our buddy, Tom. Um, I hang out with him in other avenues that we do, but he also went and saw Aquaman with the Lost on Longbox crew last week. So he just stepped in for uh, the podcast we'll be doing after this podcast. So I'm like, Tom, way on in there. What did you like about the movie? I liked the movie. It was good. It was a good popcorn movie. I only had one problem with it. I didn't like Black Manta's motivation. Uh, and thank you. Boom. That segues right into my one. It, I had two it complaints. Was, it was rushed. Is you could take Black Manta out of that movie totally, yes. and it still works. Yeah, no I doubt. I mean, it was cool, and like his origin story of getting that taser, whatever, that plasma thing that got powered by salt water, and then how he made his Manta out. That was cool, but I just didn't buy his motivation. The whole pirate thing, it, it was cool how it, it worked with the Overmaster and the and the plot to get Aquaman going in the first place. Well, not Aquaman, but, you know, right. reuniting the kingdoms in his old plot. But I just, really? You're a pirate. And yeah, it was a kind of a dick move. It wasn't that bad of a move by Aquaman. Like, you know, hey, you, you got yourself in this situation. Right. You're a pirate. You kill or be killed. You just murdered a bunch of people. And you're going to get all butthurt because your daddy got killed? Right. Because well, he, he, he shot at Aquaman and didn't stop well, him? And here's my other problem with that. You were already given Atlantean armor and weapon. We have already established that Atlantis is the DC equivalent of Wakanda. Because, I mean, let's face it, yeah. they had advanced technology light years ahead of the surface well, world. Yeah, they showed that earlier in the But yeah, he the was going to strip it all down to make his armor and his little shooting eyes. And I'm thinking, okay, you already had this awesome armor and weapon. Why did you have to go mod it? And then show the fact that you don't know what the hell you're doing because you almost blow your own damn head off. Oh, that was funny. And I it was think, funny at the end. <laughs> I think the only reason they even had him in is to, to set him up for to be a villain in the sequel. Exactly. That's kind of the, yeah. the feeling I got because he got trounced pretty good. Well, and here's the thing. I get that they wanted to set him up for the sequel, but you could have done that with just two scenes. 
the first one where Aquaman says you made your bed lie in it and leaves him there to die. And then the closing scene in the credits where all of a sudden he now has the armor and he's developed it. Or you could even just use the Orm scene where Orm gives yeah. it to him. Right. Take that scene out, put it at the end to show that Orm is still not done with his uh, manipulations. And then all of a sudden you have to sequel it. You can just take out the entire fight with Black Manta. And, and it's still going to be over two hours because that whole fight in Sicily lasts about, what, maybe five, ten minutes? Although yeah. I will have to say that is a badass fight, especially with oh, Mera cool running across the uh, the rooftops there. Mm-hmm. And you see the two battles going on in separate locations. But here's the thing. Here is the thing about Sicily. I, I have a question about Sicily. Is it still controlled by the mafia? Because all of this tomfoolery <laughs> that's going on on the rooftop, stuff's blowing up, people are, like, running through walls. you got Atlanteans coming up, raising hell, dogs and cats, living together. It's okay, mass hysteria. Don't be, don't be pulling Ghostbusters. <laughs> and all I'm saying is I did not see one police officer, one fire truck, one ambulance. Is there any emergency services in Sicily? That's my question. There, there are, but honestly, as fast as the two of them were moving and their pursuers, do you think any uh, police vehicle could have long up with that? That, was, that was a long segment, man. <laughs> They I mean, should have at least I mean, showed up looking befuddled. And both of them I, were going across the rooftop. I feel I feel bad for any cop trying to keep up with that action. I did like uh, Aquaman when they were at the statues, basically making his perception roll to realize, oh, it's good. This is the king. He didn't know the history. <laughs> he just knew that was the king the way it was lined up. True. <laughs> He's BSing. So again, <laughs> b- big part for me was Black Manta. Just cut him out of the movie. Still works fine. And the other one, and this is just just kind of nitpicky. Well, I love Amber Heard, her hair did not look right. No, it looked, it looked fake. Too, it looked yeah. too wiggy and too... The dye was obviously... Too bright. Too yeah. bright. yeah, it's fire engine red. Well, it fl- to be Flash, in- Flash Gordon's hair looked more realistic. They Flash? could have had her father. Oh, oh. That, that was oh. Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not. That was Dolph Lundgren. Yes, I know. That was Ivan Drago. That was Ivan Drago. I thought it was Flash Gordon. No. Yeah, yeah that was the greatest movie villain in history, Ivan Drago. I will break you. That is a great scene. Okay, don't be talking Rocky movies while we're talking about Aquaman. <laughs> but no, her hair more subdued like his would have been better. Yes. I'll agree. It, was a little it, it needed to be but. toned down a little bit, although a friend of mine posted on Facebook that she would love to lose a night's sleep with Mary. <laughs> I said, okay, I would have no problem with that either. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about him too, Ivan Drago, a.k.a. Dolph Lundgren, he is ridiculously smart. Yes. Just ridiculously smart. He's got like multiple master's degrees and oh, in real life? everything oh, yeah. in real life. He's, oh, yeah, he's, a brilliant he's man. crazy smart. What was funny is when I saw his name in the credits, I had to sit up and go, "Who was really? he? Who yeah. the hell?" Was? And I started pulling. I thought it was Flash Gordon yeah. until you said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew no. who he was as soon as I as soon as I saw him. Not me. Yeah, well, I was like, "It's Ivan Drago." Well, see, I, I didn't only, catch it until now. I only remember him from two things. Obviously, Rocky Four. Is it Four? Where he fights the Russians? Yes, Rocky Four. And. And you're gonna hate this Skeletor, as in the in the old He Man, in the old He Man in the Master of the Universe yes. movie. They I really actually saw that for the, the first 80s. time not too long ago. Right. And, and the Punisher too, because he knows exactly yes, what I'm talking I about. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that about six or eight months ago. For and the that first is time. really the only two oh, things man. on his calling card. You well, Punisher. played the Punisher. The Punisher. I didn't see that one. In the original Punisher movie with uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Oh, because that one tanked, too. Oh, that was yeah. terrible. It was. But he was the Punisher. I never it. saw that one. I saw the Thomas yeah, Jane you, one. You didn't miss anything. The Thomas Jane one. Yeah, but it, he was the Punisher. Wow. Okay. So I stand corrected. You can, you, but again, you asked Dolph Lundgren or someone, what has Dolph Lundgren been in? And you're going to get three movies max. Sharknado? See, the thing about Dolph, the <laughs> thing about Dolph, the Dolph, about Dolph and the Punisher, he was as good as Frank Castle as David Hasselhoff was as Nick Fury. 
Wow. So, <laughs> so there's that. Somewhere Dolph Lundgren just went, ow, and <laughs> what's this sharp pain on my back? He's an arrow. <laughs> yeah, I just hassled the Hoff there. Is he an arrow? Dolph Lundgren, yeah. Oh. Huh? Yeah, he was a bad guy. He was a Russian mobster. Like That's appropriate. Five or whatever. All right, so I know what I didn't like. You guys agreed with me. Any points that were missing? I think that there was a, a kind of he was uh, swinging back and forth. I don't want to be king. I want to be king. No, I, no, I don't really want to be king. Yeah, you know, it was like, oh, I don't want to be king. Oh, check out his throne room. Yeah, I totally want to be king now. You know, I, I will tell you there was one point in the movie. When I told myself, I swear to God, if he breaks out and starts singing, I just can't wait to be king, I'm leaving. <laughs> well, isn't he a pretty reluctant king in the comics, though? Yes, he is. So, uh, that, that I mean, I, I, I agree he kind of gets wishy-washy about it, but I think that kind of stayed true to the... To his character. To his yeah. character, because he is a reluctant king. I did love, also, that they mentioned the Seven Kingdoms, and that they made a point that mentioning that Mera was from Zebel and not Atlantis. And I really loved when we saw the other kingdoms that they made sure to illustrate they weren't all humanoid. Yeah, yeah, because you had some that were your tr- uh, traditional merfolk with with the right. tail, the the, the, uh, the kingdom of the fishermen, and then you had the um, the, the brine, trench, the, the brine, the brine, which were kind of like shellfish. The cool. only thing about the trenches, I got the feeling the trench wasn't so much a kingdom as much as it was an abandoned area. Yeah, that there yeah, was, a wild zone. Or yeah, right it seemed area. like the 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 denizens there had kind of just devolved into monsters more yeah. so than they're like the wildlings, right? Because he controlled them at one point. Game of Thrones, right. <laughs> And I do want to see, because they talked about the Seven Kingdoms, and I started going through my head and adding them up. Isn't one of them the Desert Kingdom where he has to go get the spear? Because think about it. We have Atlantis. We have Zubble. Yeah, it, I forget what they called it. The Well, they, they called it the Kingdom of the Deserters. Yeah. yeah. So that means there's a seventh race we haven't seen. Unless I'm doing my math wrong, I started thinking about it. We see three of them, which we know are the creatures, the brine, the fishermen, and the trench. We see Atlantis, we see Zubble, and then there's the one that's um, Vuko. Well, not Vuko, but there is one other kingdom. And I started thinking, well, wait a minute. We're missing a kingdom, so it's got to be the kingdom of the deserters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we oh. haven't seen them yet. So that means there's a seventh race that will probably be brought in for the next movie. By the way, listeners, um, Thomas read something earlier that will kind of create a huge problem for this movie. And it's a glaring continuity error. Yeah. Um, so in this movie, he meets Mara for the first time, but she mentions the battle with Steppenwolf from Justice League. So she was in Justice League. They were together in Justice League, and they meet for the first time in this, but she mentions that battle. Right, because there's a very pivotal scene in Justice League where he shows up, and she's talking about how Steppenwolf had attacked him and had taken the little magic box and... He's trying to tell her we're going to need Lantis's aid, and I think even at this point, she's the one that's like, "It's the world, it's the uh, surface world's fight, fight, not ours, right?" Right. And then, so yeah, she is acting like he's acting like he's never met her until this moment on Embassy Bay. So yes, Thomas, I know the I mean, Seven Kingdom. Tom, what's the Seventh Kingdom? Okay, you have the you have the Kingdom of the Brine, which are those crab people. Right. Yeah, that was, uh, if not mistaken, led by John Rice Davies. Yes. Right. So you have Atlantis, uh, whatever Zenos. Uh, the fishermen, the brine, the, the trench is the fifth, the deserters is the sixth, and then the hidden sea is where he found the... Agartha. Oh, right. Okay, that's it. But that would still mean there's a seventh race that's, we didn't see. Well, that's the seventh kingdom. So, Yeah, so that looks like that will probably be showing up in the next movie, I would imagine. Yep, Starks. We will get those. Yeah, from what, I, well, from what I've read, they're already in Well, that, that in was the location of King Atlantean's so. Trident. 
So you overall, had to go through it through the trench to get there. Overall, so I think it was a, a great triumph for Warner Brothers and the DCEU. Oh, and they needed this too. And and here's the irony of it is I noticed that their B-tier characters, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, are doing really good, but they seem to keep missing the mark with the two heavy hitters. Well, I think the people yeah. have been Superman and Batman to death. Right, exactly. You know, there have been good Batman movies. There have been good Superman movies. And it's like, and you don't need to rehash it. You don't need to go over his parents, you know, Bruce's parents' death again. Right. And I think uh, uh, so they have a bunch of other characters that could use a little attention. I understand that you, you can't just put all your chips on one character like Superman or Batman. You know, the fact that uh, the Marvel. Uh, movies have done so well is because they went out and they said bringing in characters people yeah, don't Captain know. America. Here's an Iron Man movie. Here's a Thor movie. And like, yeah, you're introducing all these characters one at a time. And that's my only complaint about the Aquaman movie is I would rather have seen that movie before Justice League. Exactly. Yeah, and, and Marvel, like you said, there was you know, like here's here's Iron Man. Here's Captain America. Here's Thor. Now here's a raccoon riding a tree. <laughs> they couldn't do that. So though. you know that was the way they did that. Right. They were trying to compete with Avengers, and they were behind the game, so they were trying to they, catch, they catch up. And so the they big, rushed it. Right. The biggest mistake they, they made was trying to rush it. Right. That, but if they did it, right, they, they would. Oh, you're copying. Marvel, they they so. didn't need to compete with Marvel. They needed to just establish their, their own thing. universe yeah. and not worry about what the critics said, and not worry about yeah. about that. If they just, if they had just you know, establish their own universe with the solo films. They could have done the same route Marvel did. They didn't need to jump to Justice League yeah. this fast. They needed to just take it slow. Just continue being the distinguished competition. Right. That's all you needed right. to do. There was nothing wrong with that. And I would disagree with you on one thing that you said, uh, Randall. Aquaman, I would say, is definitely B tier, but Wonder Woman, not so much. No, no, no. no. I would, I would, I would concur that yes, yeah, she, she, she's, she's an A tier. She's, she's part an of Trinity. Dan DeDito, the publisher over at DC, once summed it up perfectly about Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and what he said was, they shouldn't be doing the whole hero worship in in, in public. The, the actual thing should be when Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman show up someplace, like at the Mall of America or in a parking center, you shouldn't be going, oh, wow, look who it is. You should be going, oh, crap, why are they here? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because if they showed up, that means something bad has either gone down or is about to. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anytime I, I can tell you right now, if Batman was in this world, anytime I saw him, I'd be running yeah. the opposite direction right. as yeah. fast as my legs could handle me. Because I was like, something's going to happen. Something's going to blow up. I just pulled my camera on just get in a little corner. Oh, man. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> Until he knocks it out of like, your hand with a battering. I didn't do it. Batman, you're not coming after me. Who are you going after? Let me videotape this. Not so, me. I am not taking my life in so my hand like that. Our, we're getting down to the wire here. Um, so this bodes really well for DCEU. I think Shazam should oh, also yes. be really good. If Shazam oh, nails no it out the park, much I'm looking forward then, to that. You, then DC and Wonder Brothers now have a monumental task on their hand, and that would be restructure the next Justice League movie. Yeah. Which, by the way, all the critics of Zack Snyder if you pay attention to the credits for Aquaman, he is an executive producer on that movie. So doesn't mean he can't make a good movie. just means that he can't write them. <laughs> uh, right. Um, so if you really like the Aquaman movie like we did, and if you haven't seen it, trust me, you're going to love the movie, then some of the current comics you have to read um, right now out on the, in the LCS, they just finished the Aquaman Justice League Drowned Earth storyline. It starts with Justice League number nine, which is like the, the tie in the beginning of the Drowned Earth. Then it goes to Justice League, Aquaman, Drowned Earth. And then it's Justice League number 10, number 11, and then I think number 12. And then there's Aquaman, Justice League, Drowned Earth. There, there's actually two titles, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky because you have 
Justice League slash Aquaman Drowned Earth number one, and then you have Aquaman slash Justice League Drowned Earth number one, but they're both part of the same story. If you just go to your comic shop and say, hey, give me the Drowned Earth storyline, and that's what they'll hook up with. They'll give you those two specials, Justice League 9, 10, 11, and 12, and after you get those, you pick up Aquaman number 43, because that picks up right after Drowned Earth, and the Drowned Earth storyline is almost exactly the Aquaman movie. It's the same type of scenario. You have the old gods from the other world trying to take over and, and drown the Earth because man has you know, lied to them and Poseidon has betrayed him, and he has to use a spear again to take him out. So it's a really good storyline. Recommend it. And like I said, Aquaman 43 takes place right after that. The great Kelly Sue DeConnick, who has just worked wonders with Captain Marvel over at Marvel, has now taken over the writing for that, so it should be fantastic. I want to thank all our listeners. Um, this is actually going to be our last show for 2018. We are going to be taking a break for the holidays. Um, we started this thing about four months ago, about four months. And mm-hmm. thank you, guys. You have actually got us up to close to 300 listeners already. That's thank fantastic. That's, that's pretty good considering you know we're only four months old. So what's going to be happening in 2019? Well, for starters, we're going to get a YouTube channel up there. So we're going to start getting some video content for you. We're also going to be trying to look at making some con appearances. I know that here in the Washington, Virginia area, we have one called Awesome Con. I'm going to go to that regardless of whether or not they want us there (laughs) as as our appearance. That's a a bit of an in-joke here. We try to get media passes, and we told we're too new, which I don't blame them. But I'll be going to that one. There are several here in the state of Virginia by a company called Virginia Comic Con. We'll be probably trying to make some appearances there. Um, I actually go to Dragon Con down in Atlanta, Georgia every year. This will be my 15th year coming, so I will probably be doing some impromptu coverage down there as well. We're also going to try and get us some guest speakers. Um, I know that when I go to Awesome Con, I can get a contact to um, Tom King, who is currently writing Batman. Uh, I have cosplays as Mr. Miracle. He loved it. I have a, a signed autograph of, of him and I as, as Mr. Miracle, so I might be able to finesse him a little, get him as a guest speaker on here, hopefully knock on wood. Um, and then we might actually even set up a Patreon account and see if we can't offer you some shiny baubles to buy. Um, so we're working on that as well. In fact, Lost in a long box birch. There we go, Exactly. Baby. I'm, a- I'm actually thinking of putting up a comic out there to sell on our Patreon or maybe on our uh, Lost in a long box page. And yes, Robert, uh, another friend of ours has just entered the studio. It, that will be Special open guests. to that will be open to local people who want to bid on it. So. And that's where we are. Um, what's coming up in January? Um, got a couple of things on tap. When we come back, our first episode for 2019 is going to be the best of 2018. And what are we looking for in 2019? Um, we're also going to touch on a subject that I know that Thomas has just been chomping at the bit. And that's uh, what the hell is going on with Marvel and DC and your alternate covers. And, yes. And uh, all the other publishing things that, that we just need them to calm the hell down on. Gimmicks. Exactly. Um, for our friend Lori J, I told you a few months ago we we're going to cover it, and it is coming in January, probably end of the month. We are going to do uh, a review and discussion of V for Vendetta, so that is coming. I told you we would do it, and since you have actually been um, loyally following us and commenting, I'm going to throw that out there for you, so that will be coming as well. All kinds of stuff coming down for 2019. We're going to be, be a fun year. We're going to be doing more of the revisiting some of the classic stories that were really great and talk about why they impacted the comic and treated the way they did. Um, so, again, visit us out there on Facebook, Lost in a Long Box. We also have our Gmail, um, Lost in a Long Box at gmail.com. We have our Twitter feed, which I believe is Lost in the Long B1. Right. Damn, I can't believe I actually start remembering that thing. That's right. 
You're going to be tweeting before too long, right? Mm, I am never <laughs> go, never be tweeting. Not going to yeah, happen. As much as you have to say, you need to be tweeting. Tweet right. it. So uh, that's where we are for this week. Everybody, please have a safe and happy New Year's. Um, Drink and drive responsibly, basically. Get someone. <laughs> drink and drive responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to drink and drive, keep both hands on the wheel. Don't tip your beer while you're curving. Wait till you get to the stoplight to drink. Or better yet, just don't drink <laughs> or and just drive. just don't do it, right. Yeah. All right, so until next time, we'll be down here trying to figure out all the other convoluted history of different characters. Because why, Madman? Because we are lost in the long box. Yes, we are. Thank you very much, everyone. Good night, everyone. See you next year. Thanks for having me. My favorite show. Woohoo! Yeah, it, and I get yeah. that they had to set up a. Yeah, dude, I can really look at it though.